There's a beer vending machine in my office. I just I just got joined what? a new I just joined a new co-working space. It's in an old seven up vending machine. So you go down and it's it's literally like Yingling, Miller Lite, and then all the way to these micro brews that are local. So I had a great time. So that new job as a valet is working out well, then that's good. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> The Stagger Podcast. You guys are idiots. Welcome into the Stagger Podcast. What is up? I am JD Smith. And I am Derek Smith. Definitely not texting. Definitely not texting. Definitely not texting. We have a ton to get to today. Big, big weekend in Indianapolis. We are going to go over all of that stuff. IndyCar, Xfinity on the road course, NASCAR on the oval talking about all that craziness we will also get into a bit of a tweet situation you may have heard about that will be coming up as well and we'll take a look ahead to the next weekend of racing where we get kentucky and road america and other things that are fun sharon speedway yeah ohio that's right it's ohio sprint speed week so shout out to all the buckeye racing fans out there who have been going out to the dirt tracks it's been a good time, man. I love the All-Star Circuit of Champions. Dirt Absolutely. track racing. It's fun. I, I saw Craig Mintz uh, put out on Facebook today. Reminder, Sharon Speedway is under every state's got their new laws and new regs with masks. First off, wear a mask if you're going to go outside. Just just don't be that guy that doesn't. But if you're going to the track, it's now mandatory at Sharon Speedway's county. So if you want to go out to the track at Sharon Speedway this week for Speed Weeks, bring that mask well, with you. All right, so we are going to start off today. We are going to talk a lot of things. We're going to start off actually with IndyCar because we did not talk a lot of IndyCar previously on any of our podcasts, and we love IndyCar. They were at Indy. They were on the road course at Indy, which I love. I think that course is so much fun. It produces some really good racing, and no surprise, really, if you watch the first race of the year, Scott Dixon, guy's pretty good, and surprisingly, he had never won on the Indy road course that is until this past weekend. He dominated and got it done and had a uh, tremendous drive. So congratulations to Scott Dixon. Good win. Yeah, he is the GOAT of IndyCar, is he not? The GOAT? I, the GOAT? Now, now there is a GOAT that's Are we talking about it. the greatest of, well, that would be the Gorn, the greatest of right now? I'd, I'd say he's the Gorn. I would say he's the GOAT in the sense that I'm going to get a lot of flack for this. But just like Richard Petty and his 200 wins, had he been Jimmy Johnson, that would probably look something like 80 or 90, which is where Jimmy Johnson's sitting right about now with all the competition and the, the way the cars are set up, the playoffs, everything like that. Now, IndyCar obviously doesn't have the playoffs, but what they do have is a very, very competitive field. Yeah, He has won pretty much at every track. If you put him on a street course, he's dangerous. If you put him in a road course, he's dangerous. You know, there's drivers like Ed Carpenter who are phenomenal at the ovals, but, I mean, our back markers at every other track, which is why he's gotten out of it and allows other drivers to win race for the owner's championship and owner's points. He just races the ovals. And there's other drivers that have come and gone. Tony Kanaan has had his time. But Scott Dixon has been there the whole time of Tony Kanaan. Tony the greatest of all time to me is if you throw Scott Dixon back in the 60s and the 70s, can he run with Foyt? 
can he run with Andretti? And to me, the answer is obviously yes. I, I, so. I still need to see. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not as familiar with Scott Dixon's career. I still need to see him like run dirt. Like AJ Foyt was the goat because he ran everywhere and ran everything and dominated in everything he ever got into. So even at the Charlie Brown's pancake and steak in Speedway, Indiana, he dominated that food plate. He does. I he mean, dominates he ordered a stack great. of pancakes and demolished it. AJ Foyt. I did see him one time. AJ Foyt, the goat, Scott Dixon, the Gorn. You Mario, I'll give you that. I'll give Mario you that. Andretti. Don't mess with him. Well, Mario Andretti is. I mean, okay, he, fine. Like, we can have that discussion on another podcast. Okay, I'm okay. just making I, the I point. Just you made, said Scott Dixon, and now you're giving me Mario Andretti, and okay, I'm telling you, okay. either way, can Scott I, Dixon's not the guy. Can I say for this? Goat. This okay. This is the parallel I was drawing for everyone who's sitting out there typing on their Twitter box. Uh, now I sound super old, but here's what the point I was making. You have Richard Petty, Dale Earnhardt, NASCAR. Jimmy Johnson, everyone says they're right up there. He's right up there. So if you think of Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt Sr., the next name out of your mouth is not Junior Johnson. It's not David Pearson. What it is, it's Jimmy Johnson. So in IndyCar, it's A.J. Foyt, Mario Andretti. I'll give you that. But right after that, in that class of driver, Dan is Scott. Oh, no. Rick Dan- Mears. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just one of, the, uns- the, one of the answers. <laughs> hey, you know what? You know what? At least Chip Ganassi and his PR staff may give us an interview for this right. <laughs> valiant defense that hey, I'm man, up now I, I agree with you that Scott Dixon is as hot as it gets right now. I will give him the Gorn. I will not give him the goat. The greatest Gorn, of right now. Gorn sounds dirty. It just Oh, you're watching some uh watching some Gorn over there, were you? <laughs> it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Graham Ray Hall was on a two-stop strategy. Unfortunately for him, Oliver Askew shot off into the wall. Ask who? At <laughs> uh, Oliver Askew wrecked, though. And when that happened, Graham Rahal's two-stop strategy, where he had built up this you know, big basic advantage where didn't matter how good his tires were, didn't matter what he was going to run, he was going to be able to just make it on two stops, and no one would catch him. And then the wreck happens, and then everybody was back within a few seconds, and then the stop strategy goes out the window. He didn't have the same tire strategy that Dixon did, so Scott Dixon went by him very quickly on reds. I think Graham had to be on blacks or, like, old reds, and it, whatever. It didn't work out with the tire strategy, so that sucked for Graham Rahal, who was always good at Indy, and he had a really good run going there on the road course. It's too bad. Yeah, and especially for Graham that he has... So, uh, you know, as, as, as we've talked about on the show, and as you'll probably hear, uh, I've, I've had a, lived a unique young life with racing and, and fandom, but I actually uh, was part of a, a group that did a charity con- partnership with Graham Rahal's uh, foundation, and I got to hang out with him at Indy one year, and I remember sitting in his bus, and he was just talking about how much this, this race means to him and his family. And winning at Indy, it's like, to him, there is Indy, and everything around Indy, mm-hmm. and then there's the rest of the IndyCar season. So yeah. to, it's almost like there's two seasons for Graham Rahal. The first one is win at Indy at all costs. And I think they played a strategy it was, that was risky, and they were going to hopefully see it out to where they could come across the line in first place, maybe on old tires and maybe you know on, on a stretched-out strategy, but they were going to do it in a fashion that was going to get them the trophy, get them a chance to kiss the bricks and raise and get on top of that lift and celebrate. But it didn't happen this year for Graham. And it's one of those things. He'll always be the gambler at that track. I feel because he's going to want to win it. He's yeah. not just going to want to get a good third place finish like Texas or Pocono or any of the place he wants to, he wants to go there to win. It did feel like the strategy was basically 
I think none of you other guys are going to fuck up. So if none of you wreck, I'll be good. No one's going to like hit the wall. No one's going to run out and like, you know, cut a tire running over the grass and then be stuck in the middle of the track. Two guys aren't going to wheel lock and just send one off into the wall. He expected everyone to just hang on to it. Do your job. No cautions. They win that race. Yeah. Go. What did they finish? I think they still finished second, but yeah. You know, miles and miles behind yeah. Scott Dixon. Unfortunately, they finished somewhere so. in the golf course. I think when uh, when Dixon crossed the finish line. But th- this is the race that uh, Santino Ferrucci got the pole, I believe, or no, Sebastian Saavedra got the pole in the inaugural race, and then they did a standing start. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he proceeded count. to stall at the line, and like the fifth row car just smashed into him, knocked all his shrapnel up into the the, the flag stand. I think he hit the mayor. Uh, the mayor was God. waving the flag. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, oh, I didn't we'll, realize that. We'll, t- we'll tweet out that. Uh, we'll we'll tweet out or put a video on Instagram about that, showing that uh, that wreck this week. It it was uh, yeah, it was one of the w- most embarrassing IndyCar wrecks that I've ever witnessed in person. And uh, so so this is the same track that that obviously they don't do the standing start anymore. But this is the same track where Graham Rahal was hoping for everyone to mind their p's and q's. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for him. But I think Graham Rahal, before his career is done, he's so young and he's so driven, he's going to get that, whether it's a GP win or an Indy 500 win or both. I could see him raising the trophy and kissing the bricks multiple times at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, Well, let's hope so for his sake. Now, let's talk about Alexander Rossi real quick because he did not have a great start to his 2020 season. Uh, Texas, he had issues getting off of the grid, and that led him to be two laps down, and he was really a non-factor all day. He had an engine issue in this race. That led to his early retirement as well in this race. So two races, two abysmal days at the track, which have left him now tied for 22nd with TK, Tony Kanaan. Huh. That's uh, so, so give me like three no names bueno. you would not expect above him. Uh, well, Marco Andretti's one. <laughs> uh, I told you Oliver Askew wrecked. He's above because he wrecked after yeah. the retirement for Alexander Rossi. Um, again, I'm not trying to rip this guy because I I like him, mm. but like Jack Harvey is 17th. I mean, yeah. that's Jack Harvey is still a and he didn't have a great finish in this race. He had a great start and he was looking really good, and then it just didn't work out for him with some of the tire strategy as well. But Jack Harvey is you know a good young driver. I mean, Renus VK is a rookie. He's 11th. So I just keep all this. Santino Ferrucci is ahead of him. Charlie Kimball, like you don't expect those guys to be ahead of Alexander Rossi. So. No. That was a, a bad start to his season, but I read a little article today where he said he's you know looking forward to Road America because Road America gives him a chance to get back up on the podium and maybe even get a victory. He's very yeah, good two, there. Two races there. We know he's a good driver. He's a great driver. So he should have a very good chance both days because they are doing a double header at Road America, which I'm excited about. I love that track. Then after that, they go to Iowa, which is always fun. Oh, yeah. So they, you got a couple good weekends of IndyCar racing, four races, two weekends. Get ready for it. If you like... If you love the arrow screen, get ready because you're going to see a lot of it. What, what's your thoughts on that? I, I I think it looks badass, man. Yeah. I At think, first, I thought it was kind of weird, yeah. but by the end of the race, I'm like, why have they always not looked like this? Yeah. I got very used to it very quickly. If only they can get the cooling issues under control yes. for the drivers. That that's something that maybe they need to reach out and hopefully teams like Penske or Ganassi who have had a lot of cooling you know experience with other race teams under their shops with NASCAR. Hopefully, they can use the technology to pass it along to IndyCar to make sure those drivers are 
performing at optimal temps. Well, right. In IndyCar, there's so much technology anyway. I mean, I would hope you could figure out a cooling system. Yeah. Because you're going to have to. And, and, it, and they've gone so far in on this, there's no way they can be like now, oh, wait, never mind, scrap it. Yeah. Like, because of drivers getting too hot. So, yeah. you know when you race, you race a lot of races in between the months of May and September. So, figure it out. We're going to take a break. When we come back... We dive into NASCAR. We're going to talk Cup Series. We're going to talk Xfinity. We're going to talk everything indie and some controversy this week in NASCAR. All that coming up next. All right. Welcome back to the podcast. We were just talking in the break about how we're both getting into the diecast collecting again, which is that's dangerous, man. We're going to spend way too much money doing that. Like, and our wives are going to be very mad. Yeah. Well, here's how I here's my strategy is I will buy the die cast that I want, like the big one, the 124 scale, get the one with like like I got a Tyler Reddick race one, the one that he won the first Xfinity championship in. Mm. And it was like autographed with all the damage on it. And I was like, mm. this is awesome because I full disclosure, I'm a Tyler Reddick fan. More on that coming up. But I also then went and bought some 164 scale die cast that when the box opens, it's like, oh, hey, I bought this for the kids. I bought this for the kids. I bought this other thing for the kids. And then, oh, I did buy myself something. But this is all for the kids mostly. Because then yeah. that goes a lot further if you buy it for the kids. Do you know what my strategy is? What's Get that? the ones that don't ship to like November. And be like, oh, hon, dude, I, I have no idea how this got here. I must have ordered it like a long time ago. I did the same. Honey, I did. honey come on. I mean, it's, no, well, you, it's and if you don't know, it's, this is this will be my Christmas gift. This for those who don't know, if you've never done diecast, a good place to start. We get nothing for telling you this, but Plan B Sales, those guys do a good job. And uh, if you are looking for one-off things, things that like you saw a race and your driver just had a great race, like I mean, Bubba getting a top ten at the Brickyard. You might want to get a Bubba Wallace diecast. Well, the worldwide one from technology. yeah, the worldwide technology, that deep blue car that That's they had, a pretty car. It it looked great, it's and that great car, car, I saw they had it on there, and it's the, I mean, it's just ready for pre-order. So you order it, and then when it gets ready to ship, like six months from now, then you pay. Yeah. So it's like layaway, and how much fun is layaway? If shout out to all my layaway people out there, layaway. Because we did that for show when we were kids. We broke. <laughs> Let's talk about the cup race. That incident on pit road, man, that was pretty insane. We could start there, and then we could talk about some of the other things. But had, do you ever recall seeing something like that, at least in the last 10, 15 years on pit road, where that many cars got eaten up in just one quick moment of almost nothing it just went from nothing to complete chaos no but and that is the only place where that could happen because of the depth perception of where all the spotters were in turn one and turn three all your pre premier spotters were pretty much in turn one uh and from that perspective you can't say two two cars back check up check up check up you can't you can't relay that to because you can't see it everyone's they're coming straight at you so in indie I think they almost need to, it sounds crazy, they need to almost treat it like a road course where you have three or four spotters. You need people up on the Pagoda. You need people I over in three. I think they took them off the Pagoda this year. I know, they did. And that, So I'm saying, and, and oh, that, you're saying that NASCAR needs to allow them one need, on the Pagoda. Yeah, yeah, whether it was COVID-related or or because a sandwich fell two years ago, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the reason it might was. Have been, it might have been COVID-related. Yeah, it, might, yeah, it might have been, but, but at the same point, 
all these guys are traveling together in airplanes. They're riding in vans to the hotels and everything. There, you, you have to realize that. I mean, there there could have been a guy dead on pit road yesterday. Oh, it was so, yeah. So you, you have to you have to almost you know just trust your testing. Trust the guys to be like Jimmy Johnson. If they have the symptoms, they get a positive test. They sit out the weekend. They sit out the next few weeks. Um, you have to trust your guys to do that because the most important thing and the most at risk thing that could happen in a NASCAR race is a, a, a driver getting hurt or a pit crew member getting hurt or official getting hurt, someone close to the, the action, right? That's why we have catch fences. That's why we uh, you know, put a restrictor play on the cars at Talladega and Daytona. It's to protect the fans and to protect the drivers. So I, it's not that this is NASCAR's direct fault, but it's something they can learn from. And Brennan Poole just trying to dodge and realizing, holy crap, I'm going right. He's trying not to end his race. He's but trying obviously, to end his race, but at the same time, like I, I can't put that on Brandon Poole, the 15 no, car, no. because he's just trying to avoid a wreck. And instinct says go opposite the wreck. Well, just so happened, he he went into the rear tire changer for Ryan Blaney's car. Yeah, and uh, that guy whose name I want to say, I have it up here. It's Zach Price. He has a tibial plateau fracture. Doctor said where the bone fragment is, it's not in a load-bearing area. It should be just fine where it is. As long as it doesn't move, no surgery needed, but probably be out three to four months to give the bone time to heal. Gosh. Crutches for three to four weeks. So he's out for the year. Uh, they said they pulled 60 cc's of fluid off the knee to relieve pressure. Uh, that is from... Actually, Bob Pockers retweeted that. That was from Greg Doyle, who writes for the Indy Star. So it looks like he talked to... Uh, Zach's wife Tasha and got that update so uh, very good stuff to know there in case you are curious there was an incident and this is why we have pit road speed limits if you don't know Mike Rich was a guy whose name you're probably hearing a little bit this week he died in 1990 at Atlanta and that was uh, one of Bill Elliott's tire changers mm. he got hit by Ricky Rudd in the pits because what they used to do in NASCAR was you just go into the pits as quick as you can and if that's at 160 miles an hour and you think you can handle it, go on down there and then slow down at near your stop. But they didn't time him. They didn't check him for speed, any of that. And unfortunately, he got hit. I don't think they was going 160, but he was going a lot faster than pit road speeds now. And imagine if what we had happen at Indy happened with guys coming off the track going, you know, 120. You know, it could have been a lot worse. So yeah. uh, there's a reason why that hasn't happened very often and why it is safer now than it was yeah. many years ago. And that's why most tracks now, not all, but many tracks have built that outside wall. Right. And I, I would see, I would say it would not be out of the realm of possibility to see a 45 mile an hour, uh, pit window. Cause they were 55, uh, for Pete's pit, uh, speed limit on pit road. And you might have which, to go which, as slow. I mean, yeah, it, which, which means they're going 60 because you can go five over without getting busted. Just like on the highway out, yeah, out here. So right. you're going 60 miles an hour trying to have people stop. You know, it, it, it just it, it needs to you need to change the spotters where they're at. And there needs to be a, a third set of spotters that literally just cover front stretch from turn four to start finish or maybe even a little beyond. And then the pit stops. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the tires because they were a bit of an issue. And Goodyear sent out a, a tweet before the race saying to watch out with the high downforce. There was going to be a lot of load placed on that out on that right front tire. Uh, and they weren't wrong. It almost felt a little bit like Goodyear knew without practice and everything that they might have got this tire just a bit wrong. And go figure, Goodyear being a little gun shy about getting something wrong in Indianapolis, can't imagine why that would be. But <laughs> given that the fact that they had that awful race, what, 12, 13 years ago, uh, that still to this day people don't forget about. Yeah. But they, they kind of mentioned that there could be a problem, and you saw it. 
Uh, Denny Hamlin is probably the most notable example, right? Where he's leading the race. He had a really good car. He was one of the best. Go figure yet again. He and Chris Gavehart are just fantastic this year so far. And yet it took all of a half a second for his day to be ruined because his tire gave out. Yeah. And I mean, you can say he should have been better man about managing his tires, but didn't really seem to be much of a rhyme or reason because he and Kevin Harvick were pushing their cars about the same and Kevin Harvick's was able to last and his wasn't. So mm. I don't know. I mean, I, I thought that Denny Hamlin had a, a really good drive yet again. Go figure. He and Kevin Harvick, man, again, tough to beat. And we said that last week about Pocono. Cars that are good at Pocono, probably going to be pretty good at Indy. And that's a little bit of what we saw. Yeah, I'm especially frustrated with Goodyear tires because they cost me uh, about $75 when Denny Hamlin hit that wall. Oh, okay. I, I was, I was, I'm telling you, I had it locked up. I was top 20 in a national $1 I'm not, I'm not a high roller guys, but I was, I was, uh, no, it was a three dollar and thirty cents, and I was, I was rocking like seventy five. In your bucks. daily fantasy, my daily fantasy, you know. Uh -huh. And I know one of the guys on on a Stagger Nation Facebook group has shouted out and maybe maybe said we should have a, a you know a mid season fantasy league next year. I'm all about having like a season long fantasy league. I think that'd be cool. But right now, I'm, I'm loving this daily fantasy stuff and having quite a bit of fun. But thought I was going to get my free Bristol tickets paid for or my tickets to Bristol paid for. I'm not so yeah. Uh, Which, but by yeah. the way, you're going for the All Star race, so I we're am. gonna I we're am. gonna be excited to see how that goes. And uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. But to answer your question, you told me because my squirrel brain went off to the right field. Uh, D Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick continue to dominate, and I am blown away that it's 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 every week they seem like they're showing up and they're competing and they're winning, and it doesn't matter the track. Those guys are in the top five. And Eric Almarola is continuing his top five streak. That was five in a row now Which for Eric Almarola. Insane, like. He he's he's as uh, as the the butler would have said in Mr. Deeds, sneaky good, he's sneaky good, sneaky good. Yeah, yeah, he really is, and I I think he's going to click off a, a win this year, not at a plate track. That's my bold prediction. Really? A, a, oh yeah, a win. All right, and an Eric Almarola win. I would be uh, very intrigued by that, and I think that would be a lot of fun. I also think a big shout out needs to go to Michael McDowell getting a yes. top ten. He ended up with a top ten in this race. We already mentioned Bubba Wallace had a top 10 in this race, which was, I think that surpasses his career high in top 10s already this year with yeah. a with a weird year and a short year and all that. You, you, we can talk about how good Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin are, and they, they are, but we also need to shout out Rodney Childers, Chris Gabehart, who we already mentioned. They're two of the best crew chiefs in the sport, but not just that, their organizations, their pit crews. I mean, I, when, when Kevin Harvick comes down pit lane, and on those green flag stops, and, and I was like, all right, let's see how he does. And, I, you know, what everybody in the sport is thinking is like, all right, how's Kevin Harvick's pit crew going to do? Just even though that's been years ago, you still have it in the back <laughs> of your head of like, how is Happy Harvick going to deal with it if his pit crew costs him a win? But they were great. Everybody was good. I mean, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick right now, those two organizations are showing they don't need practice. They don't need qualifying. They just roll out there and find a way. Kevin Harvick, I think, rolled off 10th or 11th. Yeah. It wasn't like he got on the pole and just drove away from everybody. Mm -hmm. He found a way, and they had pit strategy too. Remember, he he dropped in. That's on Rodney Childers. He dropped in before the competition caution, and I don't know what they were talking about on NBC. They're all freaking out about, like, what is he doing? What is the strategy? And it's like the strategy is he's getting tired so he can stay out and win stages. Like, yeah. and, and it obviously worked out for him. He was right there at the end. And, yeah, Denny Hamlin should have probably won that race, but – Kevin Harvick wasn't like miles behind. He was right there with him. He just maybe was a slight bit off from where Denny was. 
But Kevin Harvick's car made it across the finish line. So that's what counts. That's what you got to do. Uh, let's talk about guys who had a weekend to forget. Joe Gibbs Racing. Other Well, they, they all just kind of had a pretty bad weekend, right? I mean, you had Martin Truex Jr. had a engine issue that then ended up not being that big of a deal. But they were coming in to try to fix that. And that was they got caught up in that melee, right? Mm-hmm. Where they had their issue and then they their day was done. They got caught up in that wreck. Um, and then you had Denny Hamlin with the blown tire like we talked about. Kyle Bush was on his radio just singing awful like <laughs> throughout the race again. And now that he was you know, he's Kyle Bush, right? But if he's not in the top three, it's an awful day for him. And they're not nearly at the standard that they would want to be right now. No. Um, so, yeah, just all around not good for Joe Gibbs Racing. They are having a, a rough – I shouldn't say they're having a rough go of it. They have one of the two best drivers and teams in the sport mm. with the 11 team. I'm just pointing out this Indy Day, they thought at least we'll get a win out of it. Nope, didn't even get that. So bad day for them. They, they disappointed for sure, and uh, considering how they're not getting the wins out the Xfinity level either – the basic, basically, the only thing they have going for them is their alliance with Kyle Busch Motorsports and Denny Hamlin. I mean, they, they, considering across the board, usually they're dominating at every step. They, they haven't been dominating as much as they have been. Harrison Burton's been running well, um, but they need they need to step it up as a program and as a as an organization uh, to kind of match what Denny Hamlin has brought to the to the table this year. Let's talk about NBC versus Fox because this was the first race we got NBC back. We're going to have Fox back for a little bit, and then eventually we'll go back to NBC. But what do you think of those two broadcasts? Which one do you like better, NBC or Fox, when it comes to NASCAR? I like the Fox schedule better traditionally, as far as like uh, the month of May is always fun. Uh, I like the Daytona 500. That I to me, Fox is nostalgic, even without the uh, the boogity 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 of of Daryl Waltrip. Um, but I love the aesthetic of NBC's broadcast. I like the, oh, man, uh, you know, like when things are going crazy and slide job as Dale Jr. has been a great addition to the booth. Um, if I had to watch it with no sound, I'd probably say Fox. But if it was uh, if I if I had to watch it with audio, too, it'd probably be it would probably be the NBC crew. So it, I, the thing I have to say both is that both companies have done a heck of a job calling the races from Charlotte. And I like how NBC was sitting up in the booths at Charlotte Motor Speedway. That was kind of cool because they were able, they don't have studios down in Charlotte. They're all, oh, up, in, they're all yeah. up in the Northeast in Connecticut. So every time you see an NBC studio show, that's up in Connecticut. Yeah, right. So, I didn't think about yeah, that. Yeah, so that's why, I mean, it... it and Because I was wondering, as I there were a couple times during the race where I wasn't paying that much attention to like, when the broadcasters come on, they cut to them. That's when I'll like check on a kid or go refill a beer so I saw Dale Jr. in the back of, you know, his, like where he was standing and talking. I'm like, there's no signboards in turn three of Indy. Like, he's not in the pagoda. There's no way that's, that, there's stands there, not signboards. Where is he at? I didn't realize that he was at Charlotte. All in all, both Fox and NBC have done a great job. I tend to lean more towards NBC's coverage because I like Rick Allen. I like Jeff Burton. I like Dale Jarrett. And, I lo- uh, and of course, love Dale Jr. on the broadcast. So that's my team. I prefer them. I, I have heard that sentiment from a lot of people. I tend to like NBC's coverage a little more, too, although I am very partial to Mike Joy. I do feel Mike has his moments still where he is the best in the business. I do feel like five years ago, Mike Joy was a little bit better than where he is yeah. now, but I still 
I, I stand Mike Joy on yeah. this podcast, and, and I always and th- will. And this is probably one of our point of contentions, but I wish Larry Mack was on was in the booth. Five oh. bonus points for oh, leading that no, lap. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't need Larry Mack. I'm I, good without Larry Mack. I, he I, can. I, 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 I like. I appreciate Larry Mack. I appreciate what he's done for the sport. I don't need to hear like, guys. I tell you, I looked at it. I looked on lap at twenty four. That twenty four to go. It's where we're gonna have a caution. It's like, well, it's lap twenty two, and there's no caution. Like, well, sometime I, they're going to have one. It's like, all right, great. <laughs> so we've been talking about practice and qualifying and the lack thereof in the Cup Series. And not just us, Kyle Busch has talked about it. A few other drivers have kind of mentioned it. Should they bring it back has been kind of a point of debate. Like, are we at a point now where they can get back to practicing? Kyle Busch would love it if they did because he probably would be better. I mean, that's what his team does. And there are other mm-hmm. teams that thrive on getting that practice time. You and I were talking earlier today and i think we hit on a really good idea and i want to propose it to the audience let's talk about not i'm not talking about just at indy i'm talking about everywhere let's think about not just for coronavirus either what if we combined practice and qualifying because i gotta tell you i love the fact that they aren't getting practice it lets this racing kind of be a little more exciting especially in the early laps, you get another built-in caution with the competition caution. You get a little more of an opportunity to kind of figure out your car in the race, which leads to more variability. I love it. Now, the solution we were talking about, I think you actually brought this up, is what if you combined practice with qualifying? And maybe you had one guy out on the track at a time with a five-lap run at a place like Indy. Maybe it's shorter, three laps or something, where you, you get a chance to come down and practice a pit stop so they get that experience too, and that whole three-lap sequence is timed. I think that could be a lot of fun. That would be fun, and, it, and it, it's one of those deals that if you mess up on pit road, it's almost like you can get that out of your system. Or yeah, you have hours, or even if we go back to like more traditional weekends, you have a day or an overnight to think about, man, I really like jacked up that car and mm-hmm. not or I didn't jack up that car uh, if you're a jack man that messed up you know you made a mistake and you gotta eat you gotta sit with that and see how you can overcome it and I, I think it just I mean what if you have a team that decides like hey you know and, and it's the best four tire stop so you got a team that like can sit there and there's there's a chance for you to go out there and what if you're able to, what if you're one of these smaller teams that can say hey we're gonna scout we're gonna actually sign and develop pit crew guys and we're going to be able to get in the top 20 every weekend because yeah. we got the best pit crew out there. That's what I'm saying. Like and, you and, could, and, you and could they, make the pit crew a little bit more of a factor in qualifying, which I think could really mix things up a bit more. Yeah. You could have so much variability where you could have a guy like Kyle Busch who can have his four or five laps. Go Now, again, you're not getting a ton of practice time, and it is all going to be qualifying-based. But you go out there, and on your run, you know you got to try to nail the setup. And if you miss it, well, you're going to start in the back, but at least you've got some data to say, I know what we did wrong. That was stupid. That setup was mm-hmm. bad, but you can at least get a little bit of data, not a ton, mm-hmm. but a little bit. So those guys can have a little better chance. But also if you screw up on that five lap or three lap run, well, you're going to have to work your way out of it. Meanwhile, some of the like also ran guys might be able to jump up into a top 15 starting spot. And that could be a lot of fun for, for the excitement level of that to me would be way more than just running a lap at, you know, especially at Daytona, yeah. you're all out. Imagine I have to come down to Daytona, do a pit stop, and then get back out there and get back up to speed, and you've only got like four laps. Well, I think that could I, be a I, lot of fun. You might only get two full speed laps. That'd be great. Maybe even make it to where there's a strategy. You have to pit one time. Yeah. Before your white flag lap, you have to pit one time. 
And the, the idea with that is that um, you would be able to see, you know, what, six, eight? Well, I guess it'd be more like if it's five, it'd be, what would that be? Eight batches of five drivers randomly chosen at different times. But imagine it's like, okay, we'll, we'll be back and build a commercial break, a minute and two, two commercial break in each one. That's an hour and a half show that I would happily watch. I would watch that. And yes. guess what? We've had plenty of experience. If it gets rained out, well, it gets rained out. But that's, <laughs> then we just go but, off what we're doing now, which is you already have got it. You've got a plan. You that's just, a way you can do a two-day show where imagine if it's like, all right, well, that's the we're going to clear the confetti out of the victory lane once fans are back in the stands. And get ready, folks. Stay in your seats. We've got NASCAR qualifying coming up. And you would you not stick the, around for that yeah. more so than you would just watching a car go? Yeah. And then a little laugh. That's yeah. it. I, like, and, and it, it's and everybody want to be by the start finish line to watch the pit stops. Yeah. Or it, wherever you can get close enough to see the. I mean, it, so they would look great on NASCAR. TV. Call yeah. us. We're here. We're, we're like ready to consult for you. Just ask us. We've yeah. got ideas. And they did something like this with Charlotte, but it was single car. And they came in roaring off the off the speedway. They yeah. don't need to do that. No, no. I, You've got to do. A, no. And do your pit lap. Do your speed limit. Yeah. 55 mile an hour. And yeah. by the way, if you get a speeding penalty, boom. You yeah. get a extra seconds put on your pit stop, yeah, like or, or on your lap time. Like maybe you get an extra five seconds added to your lap, so, you're so that then the all back, of a sudden you're going to be in the spots. back, yeah. And what if you get guys that are that are you know that a whole team like say if Gibbs or RCR, one of these teams that just sets they set up their cars and they don't dial in that that uh you know that that limiter that they have the, da- the three lights on the dashboard. And what if they're off and all four Gibbs cars because of that qualifying are starting sub thirty. You know, at a place like yeah. Indy, you're going to look at them having to come in early, do the, all these competition stops. I, I think it would make a lot of cool drama happen that one of the coolest qualifying ever in the history of sports is the four laps at Indy for the Indy 500. Yeah, they're by themselves, but they are. This is the closest. It's not thing. just one lap where it, it's like, oh, he laid it down. He's good. This is it's the closest like you have thing. to hit it yeah. on all four laps. You've got to go. This is the closest thing that NASCAR could have to the Indy, Indy 500 qualifying, which I think is hands down the best. And they have sport. a pit crew competition at Indy too. I mean, I would even say five. Five's good. You get eight. And roll them off, roll them off on like five-second intervals or, you know, at Daytona or like yeah. two-second intervals at Bristol or, or something that just gets them all spaced so you're not going to catch Bristol, anybody's need, dirty Bristol, air. Bristol, Martinsville, you need three. I would say well, three. Well, whatever. Would, you yeah. get it. But yeah. the point is you can figure all that out and have it so that you have guys actually – and then they come out of their lap and all of a sudden there's a car coming out of the pits and they got to figure it out. Yeah. And then I, the, here's the, here's the thing I know about it. the drivers would hate it, the owners would be nervous about it, the commentators and the fans would absolutely eat it up, and it would be a great television product. And guess what, NASCAR, you're a TV product, and and your fans in the stands, that's an extra bonus for them. If you come out to the Xfinity race, you come out to the truck race, you're going to get to watch this. Imag- imagine a, imagine an Xfinity race that kicks off at three o'clock, finishes at six. And then all of a sudden you got, you know, a, a twilight or an evening or they a Charlotte race. They flick the race. lights on. Flick the lights time on. to go. And then guess what you got? You know, you got Run the Jewels showing up for the for the show at the end of the night. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> That'd be great, wouldn't it? Or oh, like, my gosh. With, I know, love it. Sturgill Simpson, you know, as a, as, a, as a lead up actor, as the headliner. That'd be cool. I think that'd be a, a blast. Yeah, I love I love combined practice and qualifying. You heard it here. We came up with it. If it ever happens, you can thank the Stagger Stagger Nation. Showdown. Uh, I'll tell you what. If you don't like that idea, hit us up. Go to the Facebook page uh, at Stagger Nation on Facebook and tell us about it. So we're going to post this in there. We'll have a little discussion about it there, too. But we would love to know what you guys think about that idea. You can also tweet at us at Stagger Podcast on Twitter and tell us if you thumbs up or thumbs down on that. I'd love to know. Let's talk Xfinity Race because that was excellent. I don't want to take too much time on it, but 
everybody was worried about what it's going to look like to put the Xfinity cars, these big old stock cars, on the road course, and all it produced was perhaps the best race of the weekend. I thought it was phenomenal. I don't think you could have asked for more out of those final 20 laps. You had Austin Sindrick, A.J. Allmendinger, and uh, Chase Briscoe going to town and yeah. making just some – and Noah Gregson, too, was up there mixing it up. There, it was a lot of fun. That that race for me was just tremendous. They had a caution. Uh, Briscoe made a crazy move on the restart to get the lead back. And Sock- they lost it. And they had to go Lost and fight, it, got fight, it back ba- fight to get it back. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, as you can tell, I'm peaking there. And that's because I'm excited. I just can't express how much joy I got to see watching the Xfinity run the, run the, run the oval, sorry, the, run the roval, I should say, at Indianapolis. And I would love to see the Cups come back for a second date, maybe a Wednesday night showdown. <gasps> what about a Wednesday night showdown or a Fast Friday one day show? Well, they can't do it. On the road they, course? They can't, they can't turn that over that fast. What if they did, what What if NASCAR, now that Roger Penske owns IndyCar, was like, okay, you want lights at, you know, Indianapolis, you want that lights at the track? Let's put lights at the track. And they run the precursor to the IndyCar race, the IndyGP, and they run that at night on a Friday night. Wouldn't or that be a insane? Saturday or night. Or a Saturday night. And then you oh. run the GP on Sunday. Yeah. That could be a lot of fun. I think it would be a lot of fun. Although in- I don't know if, like, the, it, would they lay down so much rubber that the Indy cars are just, like, shooting off into the stands <laughs> because they hit the berm of rubber that was laid down by those big, heavy they stock might, cars? They might have to. I don't know. I don't know if you could do that, that first. But I, I just, I honestly just wish that, I mean, this weekend taught me a lot, is that Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which is conveniently three hours away from our broadcast look, studios right here, uh, in, in central Ohio, it is the crown jewel. It is one of the most, uh, forget st- racetracks, it's the one of the most famous stadiums in the world. And we only use it a couple of weekends in May and one weekend in July. And then there's, I think, a, an air show or a. Here's what, what I, I know the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is for me the Augusta National of motorsports. Like when people talk about golf and they go, oh, to go to Augusta. Oh, to see the Masters. Like, there is probably nothing better for a golf fan than to walk those grounds. And even if you ever got to play that course, it would be, your mind would explode. And that's the way I feel about Indianapolis, man. To watch the Indy 500 there, to watch a brickyard there, even though I know there are people that don't like to stay there. Dude, I know there are people that hate the Brickyard 400 because they say, well, the racing sucks. I don't care if they run and there's no passing. I'm I'm watching it because it's stock cars going around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and if that doesn't send some chills up your spine, I it may not be the best race of the year, but I don't think they should ever take away the stock cars yeah. doing an oval. They might add a race with the road course. I I love that idea, but they should never take away the oval. And my reason for it is very simple: those cars are not supposed to go around a track like that. So let's see what they can do. That's what I love about it. I love seeing the trucks at Eldora. They're not made to do that. Let's see how they handle it. That's fun. That's why I like road courses. They're not made for that. Let's see how they do. And the cars that can handle it the best, to me, that gives you uh, some really interesting racing. And you, you may not get to see 18 passes a lap, but you do get to see some cars doing something at a historic venue. You so for me, crazy three wide racing on the backstretch. The yeah. restarts matter. Right. Cautions breed cautions like no other place at that place. Did, got, did, uh, did John Daly fit in at Augusta National? Probably not. But was it fun to watch him there? Hell yeah. 
because oh, he's yeah. different and it's not really it look it doesn't look right and, and that's what nascar's running on the brickyard is for me it doesn't look completely right but i love it and it's okay and it's okay that in racing our augusta national we're always open to changing it and i know people like dario franchitti want nothing but the indy 500 and the practice sessions leading up to it to be at that track but guess what that doesn't pay the bills, and it's 2020. You need to be open to getting these new fans, getting people attracted to it. If you could have a Saturday night showdown, think about this. What if USAC ran a precursor on the infield? So that was like a package add-on you could buy. Oh, dude, they, and, 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 and if you show up early, if you show up early and want to drink your beer that you brought in your cooler, you can sit there on the big screen and watch the USAC race that you can't even see the track if you're sitting it's in turn in one. Turn three, yeah. It's in turn three, but there's 3,000 fans that brought the add-on package, and they get to watch Tony Stewart race against... Who knows? Maybe they'll, maybe they'll throw an IndyCar guy in there. That would be I fun. I love it, dude. I, That'd be yes. great. The fact that Roger Penske owns the Indianapolis Motor Speedway means you are going to see combined weekends, I uh, guarantee you, of NASCAR and IMSA, of IndyCar and sports cars. You are going to have some, and, and hopefully more NASCAR IndyCar weekends too. I love the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. No one will ever be able to tell me different. You, For some people, and I know you love Daytona, Daytona is the epicenter for some people. For me, it's Indianapolis. And that's okay. Neither answer is wrong. But you just got to find your happy place. And for me, that's the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Amen. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the tweet. You already know what tweet I'm talking about. We'll do that next. All right, let's talk about the tweet that came out. You probably saw this July 6th. What a way to start off <laughs> the morning after uh, an Independence Day weekend. Donald J. Trump at Real Donald Trump on Twitter. Verified account. Here's the tweet. Has at Bubba Wallace apologized to all those great NASCAR drivers and officials who came to his aid, stood by his side, and were willing to sacrifice everything for him, only to find out that whole thing was just another hoax? That and flag decision has caused lowest ratings ever. None of that's true, yep. by the way. Uh, it's not highest, the lowest ratings highest ever. Highest ratings ever since the NFC Championship game last year, I think. Uh, it was the, for NBC. It yep. was the highest rated program they have had since they had, yeah, the whatever one of the final games they ran for the playoffs NFL was. Season. Yeah, yeah. So it was higher than last year's. Daytona race, which was on the 4th of July weekend last year. It was higher, obviously, than the Brickyard last year, which happened during NFL season. So it's definitely not the lowest ratings ever. Ratings since they came back are up like 10%. NASCAR is doing fine. NASCAR, in fact, is benefiting, if anything, Tremendous. from... Fantastic. How is that? <laughs> Tremendous. Fantastic. Yeah. Huge. Um, look, we'll be real honest on this podcast. We don't aim to get political. I don't think this is being political. Nope. If you look at Bubba Wallace and that whole situation from Talladega and the support that came out from the NASCAR community and the support that came out from the fans and the support that came out from the structure of NASCAR, from the people who have you know, a stake in that, not just the people who work in it, but the people who, who run NASCAR, and you think someone is owed an apology, then you've completely, you're completely misinformed. You, you are either willfully ignorant of the situation or you are just trying to stir something up. And I think I have an opinion of which one that is, but I'll leave that to you to figure out. What I know is the president of the United States waited two, three weeks to weigh in on this topic and then got it wrong. Like, <laughs> what are you doing, man? Like, what? 
go have you noticed we're in a pandemic right now the economy is still in a like complete show why don't you deal with that and leave the racing stuff to nascar leave the changing the confederate flag thing to nascar i did see was it uh mississippi who had it on their flag and said we're going to take it away they said part of the reason they did that was because nascar made the change and nascar said it's not acceptable so nascar is leading you sir unfortunately are woefully behind just like the 32 car you sponsored was at indianapolis yeah and and to to add to that bill lester who was a a a famous he is he's probably best known for his road course racing but Uh, he also was a an african-american driver in nascar you have an ask an african-american nascar driver uh, this is his tweet that he did uh, in response to, to John. He retweeted Donald J. Trump's uh, Twitter account and said, 45's tweet is uncalled for. He might consider focusing on the physical well-being of all Americans by encouraging them to social distance and wear a mask. He should set himself an, ex- he should set an example by wearing one himself. He needn't concern himself with the events of a NASCAR race run two weeks ago. That's the biggest thing that, that's frustrating to me. Literally, even the 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 anti i stand with bubba people were like all right cool back to racing or they just didn't care because right they're, yeah they're they're dwindling in numbers every day as far as uh you know viewership in nascar or just people even hearing them so they're you know and people naturally cool off they say their piece they they spout off and then they just do their life right so whether they're watching nascar or not they're like okay it's literally a done issue at this point most people 99 percent of people are like they're not even comment about it anymore and then he just brings it up again to make it national news and I mean, okay, I'm just going to really quickly stand up on my soapbox. I met Bubba Wallace in 2011 when he was basically a teenager or was a teenager. Uh, braces on. He was a young kid who's just, you know, super excited about racing. Won at Columbus Motor Speedway. That's what made me a fan of his. Got to see him later that year at, uh, at the Joe Gibbs racing shop that he was affiliated with. There was all this big, huge line for Denny Hamlin, Joey Logano, and Kyle Busch. And I see him standing off in the corner with, I believe it was a couple other Xfinity guys that are no longer, like Drew Herring and some of those guys that are no longer in NASCAR. So I go up and talk to him, just walk right up to him. me and my wife, have a good conversation. I tell him, hey, man, I remember seeing you planking on top. That was you know a thing back in the, in the day. <laughs> he planked on top of the car when he won at Columbus. He's like, dude, you were there? I was like, yeah, man, I've been your fan ever since. And this is the same guy who is is someone that my kids look up to as their favorite driver. They know when they see when they see Bubba, when they see Coca-Cola in the in the grocery store, they say, "Hey, that's Bubba Wallace's sponsor." They know it cuz that's just that he's our driver. He's our family's driver. My son, my daughter's nick middle name officially is Daytona. My son's nickname is Bubba after Bubba Wallace. So and the funniest thing is I've had friends of mine come up and try to talk to me about this Bubba Wallace character. I'm like, "You don't know Bubba Wallace. You I've known him since 2011. Like honestly, Get the fuck out of here with that. Yeah. Like, like straight up, like the, them's are fighting words to me. You know, if you're going to come after a guy's character for, for something, you just heard his name three weeks ago. Honestly, you have no place to talk about it. And, and if that language offends you, man, it does because th- this is, this is my heart. And I'm honestly sick and tired of seeing people attack Bubba Wallace when they have no right to, if you want to talk about him, maybe you reckon or this or that, you can't even talk about that this year. You want to talk about his car being bad? He's talked about his car being bad in the past. So has his crew chief. So has his spotter. They're working on it. And they have and, been working and on it. And by the way, better. they are having, so far, he is having his best season in NASCAR. 
clearly yeah. this season. I think now you could argue the the Daytona start where he finished second, but that was his rookie year in yeah. Cup Series. But overall, this season with all the adversity for him to be able to to be putting on the drives he's putting on right now, yeah. they're doing great. And and I won't be surprised if he finds his way into the playoffs. I think he's 18th or 19th right now, certainly within striking distance to get there. And all it takes is a little a little bounce this way or that way for him. Uh, you know, he isn't often going to have a top five piece of equipment that he's working with every single week. It's getting better. And that alliance with RCR is working out well. But here's what Bubba Wallace had to say, because we've talked about it, but we should probably let his words speak too, because they're powerful. Uh, he posted a statement on his Twitter handle. It said, never let anybody tell you you can't do something. God put us all here for a reason. Find that reason to be proud of it and work your tail off every day towards it. All the haters are doing is elevating your voice and platform to much greater heights. Last thing, always deal with the hate being thrown at you with love. Love over hate every day. Love should come naturally as people are taught to hate. Even when it's hate from the POTUS, love wins. And then he put up the BW and his, uh, you know, Devil rock horns, rock on. horns, yeah. So, yeah, and that was his hashtag, love wins. I think that's good. And I showed my love by going and buying like every Bubba Wallace diecast I could get my hands on because <laughs> I said, you know what, I'm gonna show some support. I don't know if that's the right way to do it, but I want to, you know, NASCAR fans are usually motivated by speaking with our wallets, and uh, yeah, Bubba Wallace, we got your back, man. And it's also good to see this. Jimmy Johnson had his back too. Jimmy Johnson posted something. Uh, he just literally just posted the I stand with Bubba, you know, graphic. But he posted yeah. that right after this tweet went up by the president. Jimmy Johnson was one of the guys, along with Kevin Harvick, who said, why don't we go get his car? Why don't we go gather around him for the anthem and for, you know, the pre-race stuff at Talladega? Jimmy Johnson's taken a vocal role on this. He's taken a leadership role on this. It's great to see that. And uh, Jimmy Johnson is the man. I will uh, be very – I always think – fondly of jimmy johnson especially later in his career where he started to speak up a little bit more i, I got one more thing to say about this too and that's the the one i always try to look for silver li silver linings i'm an eternal optimist the one silver lining about this whole craziness that we've experienced with with everything since memorial day is that people like me who typically would just you know mind their p's and q's go about life and go oh wow that's that's bad something bad happened to somebody okay i'll just you know stay quiet and stuff Man, I'm I'm silent no more, and I'm I'm losing some friends over it, and I'm okay with that because when it comes down to it, I have a choice as as a as a white guy who hunts, fishes, loves NASCAR, is a typical guy that a Republican Party says, well, he's in the bag. I look around and say that platform that that you're standing on is is built on sand. I don't want to stand on it anymore until Trump's out. I don't want to stand on it. And when it comes down to it, is that it's all about compassion, love, and understanding. Yep. I, I'm with Bubba Wallace on that 100%. So if that is, if, if, if you're not starting from that point, I don't care which party you are, start from that point as humanity and we can go from there and we can build bridges, build, build, build gaps and make coalitions and live our lives as Americans again. I'm tired of talking to my friends in other countries who are like, man, I, we, we pray for you. We pray for you. Please pray for America because we need it. <laughs> Yeah, my we gosh, do. like we, we are like we the last thing we need is we need we don't need a president agitating and bringing up old wounds that are starting to heal from just two weeks ago. And this is, I mean, related to everything else in the world. This is kind of like a lower priority thing, but it, sh it speaks volumes for the terrible job he's doing. And, and and quite frankly, too, like I voted for the guy. I don't mind saying it. I voted for the guy in 16 because I thought, well, hey, he's better than Hillary. And, and you know what it means? to me is that I made a wrong decision. And I'm making it right now. 
So yeah, I'm standing up. Yeah, I'm I'm waving a flag saying compassion, love, and understanding. That's that's what I'm going for this year. Yeah. So and if you don't if you don't see compassion, love, and understanding, and saying let's take down a symbol of hate, which is the Confederate flag, if if you don't understand that that is probably where we all need to be in 2020, I really don't know how you hold a position of power anywhere. Could you imagine walking into your office, like yeah. of any office building you've ever worked in, and them saying, "Oh yeah, we fly the Confederate flag here." Can you imagine that? No, that would never fly. No, like, it would never, never it would literally never fly in that building. And the person who did that would probably be fired. And I know some people say, well, that's why I love him because he would speak his mind. That's fine, man. But at what point do we stop worshiping being able to speak our mind? And at what point do we start looking at others and saying, oh, wow, I didn't realize the damage this was doing to us. I did not realize the division this is causing within our country and if you're going to throw a Confederate flag up in someone's face, you have to understand what that means now. It means, and it always has meant, that you are showing someone else that they are not the same as you. And that's not what NASCAR is about. That's not what you and I are about on this nope. podcast. And that is not what I think most of our listeners are about. And yeah. uh, so I'm sorry you, if that offends you, but I'm, I'm sorry, not sorry. That's yeah, what I got to say. You there. can grow or you can go. Uh, especially on this podcast, just go. You're not going to like what you hear. So <laughs> yeah, you're you not going to want. And, you're not going to enjoy this podcast. Yeah, so just go and and I mean, by all means, like I'll still treat you with compassion. I'll still treat you with love, and I'll still try to understand your crazy mind. But I mean, this is where we stand. This is where we stand, and uh, and I'm glad that many many more people in NASCAR are standing with us. All right, one last thing before we get out of here, the Jenna Fryer tweet. That I saw now by the time you hear this podcast the cup schedule for the rest of the season past Kentucky uh, may be out but this is what's being floated it's not past Kentucky they've got a few more races scheduled after that but here's what she said has been floated around the industry as potentially coming out and that would be August 8th and 9th a doubleheader at Michigan for the cup series then August 16th Daytona road course because if you're not familiar Watkins Glen is in New York New York has a travel ban on any places that have COVID-19 hotspots as of right now. North Carolina, where all these teams are based out of, is somewhere that has a coronavirus hotspot. So if you were to travel from North Carolina to New York, by law, you have to uh, quarantine for two weeks. No chance they're doing that, which means the Watkins Glen race probably wouldn't happen. So the replacement race could be the daytona road course with the cup guys on it that i'm not saying i love watkins Glen. i want watkins Glen on the schedule but if you can't give me watkins Glen, if it's impossible give that daytona mid-ohio. road course would be yeah throw them in ohio that'd be cool too yeah. but daytona road course awesome yep then august 22nd and 23rd double header with dover i like dover some people hate dover i don't care i'd love dover i think it's a cool track and then uh daytona oval on 829 so that might be what gets out there by the time you hear this podcast. If it's wrong, oh well. You know what isn't wrong is uh, you go to Stagger Podcast on Twitter and we will have the updated schedule for you right there. Hmm. Anything else you want to add before we get out of here? It's been a heavy episode, a fun episode. We are going to start having some more fun on this podcast. Uh, obviously, as long as the president doesn't keep tweeting about NASCAR drivers. <laughs> um, but but our, but our goal is to have a little bit more fun, so you're going to see more sound drops more uh jd's going to do a lot more of the production side of things to make this a crisper cleaner podcast we're going to have fun and i'm so excited to be a part of this journey i'm glad you guys are coming along with us 
We're going to have fun and grow so much. It's going to be crazy. We're going to grow so big. We're going to win so much. It's going to be huge. Tremendous. <laughs> Tremendous. Tremendous. Huge. Powerful. Yeah. All right. That's it for us. All I know is China did not produce this episode. It was made in America, baby. That's it for the Stagger Podcast. We'll see you next week.